0: Welcome to the Neighbors Church Podcast and our very first conversation for 2022, the year of our Lord. Man, here we go. I would have to say that I am more excited and actually more curious about what our Father has in store for us through 2022 than I ever have been. I'm looking forward to this year not with, you know, um, anxiety or fear or worry. Our Father has been so faithful at every crazy corner we have turned to meet us so fully and so completely. It's like, yeah, come what may, throw at us what you will, world. We are ready to be close to our God. I love that. Yeah, it feels really good. I'm I'm very, very uh, excited and curious what the Father's going to do this year through, through you guys, through our community. Uh, and it's an honor, once again, that you would allow us in your headspace. We're just humbled and love, love, love getting to sit here and talk to each other and record it and then reflect with you all when you get back to us with feedback. Thank you. So we had a good Christmas. Uh, yours truly. Got the vids, man. I got the oh, COVID man. cooties.
1: Dan got the COVID cooties, guys.
0: I got the COVID cooties. Wasn't that bad. Had myself a little bit of a sore throat. What was super bizarre was they say Omicron is like 70 times more. It Omicron
1: or Omicron something? Yeah, I don't
0: think uh, it's called Omicron. Omicron, Cron, Cron. You have to do it with an echo. Very ominous. <laughs> Omicron is like 70 times more um, contagious than all the other variants. And so I'm in my home spending Christmas wearing a legit K95 mask. <laughs> and if you guys have ever actually worn one of those masks, you literally cannot breathe. They are the worst things ever. And uh, I'm the only one that got the Omicron, COVID, whatever it was, while the rest of my family got way sicker than I was with something that wasn't
1: Yeah, like COVID. this gnarly cold that me, Sophia, and Nyla all got I'm still, still <clears throat> yeah, I am still feeling its effects. So you'll even have to bear with me through this conversation. I'll have, she was going to have to do a lot of editing, sadly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there you have it. Of course, recognizing that so many of you have dealt with the devastation of, of COVID, mm-hmm. not making light of the plague. It's a crazy wild time to be Christians friends. And our God is doing a deep, deep work in the church mm-hmm. uh, of which we are very, Excited, curious, uh,
1: expectant about. As I've just been reflecting on the past year, I can't help because of seeing what happened in the last year, be excited about 2022 and even just in my own heart. uh, I'd say August of 2021 really felt Holy Spirit stirring me and in my heart uh, through some intentional disciplined ways of seeking Him Uh, through prayer, through fasting. And as I look at August through December, I really feel like he met me in some incredible ways, you know, on prayer walks, uh, through just tangible words from him, through showing up, through tangible provision, Uh, just these incredible ways where, you know, you're practicing these things, these disciplines. And even the word discipline just kind of has like a weightiness to it and almost like a sense of like, oh no, discipline. And so it's really not attractive or, you know, sexy, but really in discipline through these mundane week after week practices, man, the way the spirit showed up. I'm just so excited for 2022 to spend my whole year doing those things and like see what he's going to do this coming year. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm so excited.
0: Mm-hmm. I think this is technically would be my 24th, 23rd year walking with Jesus.
1: 1998. To
0: 2022, yeah, 24 years, 24th year. And I what I'm realizing is I've never really prayed. I know that sounds ludicrous. I mean, I've prayed. I've, I've prayed a lot, but even in listening to my wife, I'm beginning to realize that, Prayer is truly about intimacy with the presence of God. And there is something that has come alive in me again and that I truly believe prayer is an intimate partnership with God, that my prayers matter, that I may not see the answer to the prayer I pray, specifically the way that I determine it should be answered, but I know that I know that I know now after 23, 24 years of praying that when I pray, mountains move in unseen ways and Red Sea's part. And our father has just been faithful to do that. Mm-hmm. 2022 is a, a year for me in just awakened prayer. And so dear listener, reflect a little bit here in this moment. What's being stirred in you as we approach this next year? What's mm-hmm. What are you looking forward to? What are you anticipating? What have you been trained in? What How has your soul been formed? Because the potter has been at work, no doubt about it.
1: It really is that time of year where, you know, a lot of people resets, um, they reset in goals and they think through their hopes. And that is so awesome. And so we thought we'd open the year by talking about some convictions that we're going to live by through this year. And the word conviction actually means this fixed or firm belief. It's like you have this this feeling in your gut, you are convinced and nothing is going to change it. It's this gravity in your soul conviction. It's this like life that holds you together. Yeah,
0: yeah. Convictions rather than resolutions. We want to live by some unalterable convictions. We're really drawing this from uh, a community of friends and churches that we're yoking up with as a church. There's a group of us, that are just now really taking shape. There's really not a name for it. So just like a specific thing, it's goes by Sea Rock community right now, or I, I don't know, it's really taking shape. But those guys um, are friends of ours and they have outlined these seven convictions. And I just so deeply resonate with them personally. And I resonate with them for our community corporately. And so rather than vision casting for the new year, which there's nothing wrong with, we actually need that. And goal setting, which you should certainly set your goals and your plans. Remembering, Proverbs 16, one, we plan, our hearts make plans and God answers uh, by the tongue. In other words, God's gonna tell us what to do after we make our plans. And that's all rooted in, the foundation of walking with God is, is convictions, these deep seated things. And so we wanna walk with you guys through these seven convictions. And today is just literally going to be a a like 100,000 foot overview of the seven core convictions of the Sea Rock community and really convictions that we're adopting at Neighbors Church. And then over the next six or seven months, five, six, seven months, we release these podcasts, these conversations, the first Friday of every month, we're going to explore each of these seven convictions in detail. And we're going to layout practices and how these convictions are carrying us through. So it's just going to be a slow, deep meditation in the foundations of our life for 2022. So with all that being said, just a heads up uh, that we, we recognize this session is going to be a bit of a fire hose. We're just going to start <laughs> riffing on these seven convictions. There's going to be a lot of information. You can go back and listen to it again, but the goal will be that we dig into this in detail over the coming months, so this is the priming of the pump, mm-hmm. and I am very, 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 very excited. This is this just gets my uh, gets my heart beating. This first conviction because it so resonates with my personality and my wiring, and that is the conviction of courageous. We want to live with what I am now calling just a compassionate courage. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever we whenever we think of courage you have the the old school knight in shining armor you have uh, you know the the man or the woman willing to go into battle without fear but christian courage is is encompassed by its it's nuanced by this deep compassion there's a meekness and a softness to it but in particular the courage that we're being called to this conviction of courage is correlated to it's related to Uh, A fidelity to orthodoxy. That's a lot of big words there (laughs) that basically mean we want to be faithful and we want to live courageously by the truths of scripture.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are this community uh, built on confessions and creeds. Dan and I, a few conversations ago, talked about, you know, the contemplative practices the charismatic practices and the the creedal is what we were saying and and so too again just as a reminder that as a community our core beliefs based on the bible have been hammered out by the community of Jesus a community of Jesus followers through the ages and so we stand on their shoulders and really in this age of compromise we have to understand and with compassionate courage, live by the truths of Jesus, and invite others to do the same with us. And we're actually in the next uh, mm-hmm. you know, several 15 weeks maybe at least, yeah. Like through well, uh, Easter. Uh, yeah,
0: 14 to 17 weeks. Yep.
1: Yeah. We're gonna be deep diving the cross as a means of establishing fidelity to orthodoxy for our community.
0: Yeah. This this holding to the historic faith is is important. Every generation of the church is challenged. Uh, Every doctrine of the church, every Mm -hmm. great teaching that has been established on the shoulders of councils and, and hammered out over the years by the community of faith is challenged in every generation. And so our conviction is that with joy, we want to live and abide by these historic tenets of faith with boldness and confidence. And of course... We live in a widespread time of theological and ethical compromise. The sexual revolution is changing everything. The power dynamics in culture, uh, the theories of authority and power in culture are changing everything. Economics are changing. Globalization is changing. But we have this bedrock of the historic faith. And orthodoxy and a fidelity that we are convicted we are to abide by in our sexuality, in our money, in our power, in the way that we relate to one another. And so, yes, the back half of John, we're going to spend 15 weeks digging into what is sin, what is evil, who is Satan, what did the cross accomplish for us. All of these things are means of holding to the historic faith with joy.
1: Mm-hmm. Even just a few nights ago, we are in the car driving with our kids and we, we had this conversation about uh, echo chambers and one of our kids sat, asked us, you know, well, aren't all of us in an echo chamber? And My
0: kids are like wicked smart little philosophers. They're always catching me on my heels.
1: I wouldn't say they're little anymore. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: But it's true. We are all in an echo chamber. And so orthodoxy and this commitment to orthodoxy is this this tethering that we have, even as we um, are in our, in, in our echo chamber, our orthodoxy challenges our beliefs. And it also helps us to discern false beliefs because we all have blind spots. And so there's going to be a lot more um, on this, uh, but that's just to kind of prime the pump. Yeah. And so really the challenge for, for fidelity to orthodoxy, to orthodoxy or courageous having courageous faith is we just want to challenge you guys like explore with the spirit and the scriptures where God is calling you to greater courage, especially around fidelity to the teachings and the way of Jesus. Um, That might be through your, the way you use your money through the way you live your life on mission, your sexuality and your identity. Where is the spirit calling you to greater courage Uh, The second conviction is charismatic or this conviction to move in the power of the Spirit.
0: Give me some of that, girl, preach.
1: (laughs) It's really embracing the gifts and the ministry of the Spirit uh, to equip the church, one another, for fruitful missional engagement. And so we want to be this people of God who manifest His presence. So that the world will look on and say, "Surely God is among them." Again, it's this idea. Often we pray at our Sunday gatherings in our community groups, "Holy Spirit, come." And just uh, as I recently shared, that whole idea of "Holy Spirit, come" is literally saying, "Spirit, we want you here. We want you in our lives. We want you in this community." As you're praying, walking down your street, and you say, "Holy Spirit, come," you're saying. I want you here on this street, in these homes, as you're in a business, a coffee shop, it's like praying, Holy Spirit, come. You're saying, I want you in this coffee shop.
0: Yeah. We're saying, I want you as I listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Spirit, right now, commune with my soul. You are the living, breathing God. And if we are going to live compassionately, courageous, and faithfully abide by the historic tenets of faith in a in a morally and theologically compromised culture, only the Holy Spirit can stir the affections of our heart to love God's word and to love God in such a way. And that's really where I am um, attuning my awareness to what the spirit is doing in me. A number of weeks ago, I do prayer walks in the morning often, and I was silently walking, asking my father, what, what father for this next year do you want from me? What do you want to do? What are you longing for me, your son, to experience? And it was clear as day. He said, I want you, Dan, to return to your first love. Return to your first love. Yesterday in our community group, uh, one of the prayers, like prophetic prayers that was prayed was that the whole church would return to their first love. And the reason this correlates to this conviction of living charismatically under the empowerment of the spirit is, In the early days of my Christianity, many of you know my story. I was not raised in the church. I had no Bible background. I didn't even know what the Bible was. I didn't know what church was when I first became a Christian. And I came out of a pretty heavy drinking kind of experimental drug world. And when I became a Christian, looking back now, I know what was happening. Then I didn't, but the Holy Spirit really took me and put me into an incubator of Mm -hmm. his presence, and things that I thought were perfectly normal to experience. I thought, oh, okay, I'm a Christian now. It's normal for me to have these impressions of what's happening in this person's life, Where it's normal for me to have this vision that I'm pretty certain is real and is going to happen in real life. It's pretty normal, like all Christians sit on their couch and sing to Jesus in a different language. That sounds like uh, an Indian with a French accent. That's the only way I can describe the gift of tongues when it first came to me. But the more I progressed in the church, the more I shared these stories about these things that were happening. And there was like this almost like pushback. Um, and like, uh, I don't know if that's really the Holy Spirit or I don't know if that's really God guiding you. or I mean, and as a baby believer, it was very disorienting. And uh, I, I don't know if it was just the church or if it was my own personal uh, discomfort, wanting to fit in. Uh, I just grew to a place where my my openness to the Holy Spirit became more contained and more controlled. And I think that the Father is inviting me to uh, that released first love. Spirit mm-hmm. of God, what do you want to do? If I have an impression that you want me to talk to this person and say this to them or pray for them in this way, in the early days of my Christianity, I was like, well, of course, I'm supposed to do that. God just told me to do that. There was no questioning. And now uh, I, I really am excited about returning to that and seeing and leading and being part of a community that lives on that, in that frontier space between heaven and earth.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: thin space where we're like, you know, like food trucks of God's presence, just traveling about dishing out God's presence.
1: And one of the things that I love about this is it's obviously one to create intimacy between us and the Spirit father and son, but also it is for the sake of the world around us. Like this isn't for, we're not just praying for some experience, but we're actually praying for the activity of the Holy Spirit. So the world around us would look on and say, whoa, God is among them and hunger for that.
0: Mm -hmm. So here's the challenge from conviction number two of challenge number one, if you're writing these down and you want to reflect on these in your journal, challenge number one is explore with the spirit and the scriptures where God's calling you to this compassionate courage to live faithfully to the historical tenets of Christianity. Challenge number two is where might the Holy Spirit, where may God be inviting you to open yourself to risk Mm -hmm. to the possibilities of maybe that impression was God's presence. Maybe that moment where a passage leaped off or a word leaped off the page in your Bible reading Maybe the spirit really is speaking to you. Maybe that dream you had is more than just the burrito you ate for dinner. Where are you being invited into ever greater intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit, guided by the scriptures? Remember fidelity to orthodoxy, but as a student, uh, as a boss, as an employee, as an employer, when you're in prayer, as a new parent, as a single, whatever life stage and place and context you find yourself in. The Spirit of God that hovered over the darkness and the chaos and brought order to it now indwells you and seeks to bring order to the chaos of the circle of influence that you dwell in, which shifts gears a little bit. This is a very active piece of our Christian practice, this charismatic expression of Christianity. But a real bread and butter conviction of Neighbors Church is the contemplative life, mm-hmm. uh, the practices that counterform us. These deeply historical practices rooted all the way back in the life and in the ways of Jesus. And so our third conviction that's carrying us through 2022, and really the rest of our life as a church, is practicing this, as Schizero calls it, a slowed-down spirituality. In this hyperconnected, over-busy and exhausted world, we exist as a counterformed culture. rest is a state of existence, resting in our God, trusting him, considering, contemplating. And so we are recovering the ancient practices of weekly Sabbath, of contemplative prayer, living by a rule of life and aiming to become desert fathers and mothers in the city. I love the idea of neighbors being an urban monastery and we're praying for an actual building to develop and train urban monks to live their lives. Of course, so much needs to be developed in that statement. And so think of it this way. If the charismatic life is Holy Spirit, come, bring your fire. The contemplative life is I see the fire in the beauty of the sun that's warming my face right now. And I recognize it as a signpost of your goodness in the kingdom to come. Mm -hmm. If the charismatic life is give me this courage to to boldly declare the goodness of God and love people way out there on the edge. The contemplative life is, I see deeply within myself, a settled resolve to be one with my God as a signpost of the intimate union that I already have with him in the Trinity.
1: Here's one of the the things that we're discovering with the contemplative practices. And I think it's something just to consider yourself is, People love to talk about Sabbath. (laughs) Sabbath is such a great thing to talk about. And I think it actually kind of makes us feel good. Like, ah, Sabbath. What a great idea. It just sounds so nice. And like silence. Oh man, just to have quiet. We just love that. And even solitude, you know, there's this, there's this draw to it and we like to talk about it. But a lot of us aren't actually doing it. We're just talking about it, but we're not practicing it. And, I just think it's important to remember and maybe this should encourage you is that these practices are difficult. You know, it's like when you start running for instance, say you've never been running before and you're like, okay, I'm going to I want to run a half marathon this year and you're starting those first few weeks of a training program. Blah. Those those runs are so hard and your lungs burn and your body doesn't like it and your body's saying, "What on earth are you doing?" But the more you practice it and the more discipline you have week by week, step by step, the easier it gets. It doesn't mean you're every single time like in this euphoric, incredible place, but it does get easier the more it's practiced.
0: Yeah, I think that's what people run into. At least I did. The longer I've been practicing contemplative practices, awareness and centering prayer and Sabbath, contemplative Christianity is mundane and boring it's literally slowing down to consider the color of a flower there's not a lot of explosive activity happening when you're Mm -hmm. living the contemplative life and I think that we have this misnomer in our kind of overtherapized self-help culture that oh if I do this and that I'm going to have these experiential moments well you're still stuck with yourself in the contemplative life and so yeah we have a challenge for you in this as well
1: yeah I would encourage you even just to start to start small, like pick one contemplative practice. Maybe you don't Sabbath yet. And I would tell you, don't try to Sabbath and do solitude and do silence. Just be like- And
0: fast for 40 days.
1: Just start with that Sabbath and say, okay, this year I want to focus on the contemplative practice of Sabbath. Or maybe mm-hmm. for you, you've really got Sabbath down, but you're like, I cannot spend time alone in the quiet Okay, so maybe start with silence where you're like, hey, I'm going to just this year commit to, you know, 20 minutes a week total mm-hmm. of silence. So maybe you're breaking that up, you know, each day. But whatever it is, like pick one thing and commit to a rigorous, disciplined practice of it.
0: Yeah. So we want to live compassionately, courageous this year. We want to live charismatically empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to be contemplative. We want to consider the signposts of the kingdom that are already surrounding us in a trillion, trillion ways. If we would but slow down and attune our awareness to what is and receive life as a gift. Our fourth conviction framed up by the Sea rock guys and we're adopting ourselves is is, uh, to be contextual, contextual. And this means that we want to labor to have thoughtful engagement with the culture around us. The church has always... Um, gone one of three ways when it interacts with culture. Uh, It tries to dominate and overpower and uh, kind of Christianize the culture around it, um, which always gets ugly. Um, Or it has fled from culture. I think this is maybe one of the mistakes that the monastic movement was a a fleeing from culture and, and we're actually seeking to do the opposite. We're seeking to bring the monastic tone and flavor Uh, And practice of Christianity right into the center of urban hubs and into the cities as a missional proclamation of of God's goodness. Or it's assimilated with the culture, which is, again, that compromise of scripture. It's that compromise of our Christianity to fit in. And so there has to be uh, thoughtful engagement with the culture around us as we are leaven in the loaf. We are salt preserving. We are light in the dark. And so we want to Both as individuals in our spheres of influence and as a church preach the gospel in a way that exposes, like Keller says, that exposes the idols, the gods that are being worshiped by our culture and deconstructs them and then heralds and proclaims uh, the true gospel, Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected as the fulfillment of all of our personal and existential longings in this cultural moment. Now, you know some are portending, some are some are declaring that the West is collapsing, particularly the the West here in the United States. I don't know. I tend to agree with the thinkers that it, they hold a little more moderate position. Uh, there's definitely a hefty shaking and reset happening. There's no no doubt about that. Um, but I do believe we are heading towards uh, a much more truly pagan spiritual landscape. I don't think that atheism, in its pure form is going to prevail. I think what we're going to see is the a return to uh, a pagan culture where multitudes of gods are literally worshipped and yeah, sacrificed and I think we're
1: too. already seeing this. Like it's not even that we're going to see. I think we're already seeing it. Yeah, I
0: mean, little tiny things like the popularity of astrology right now or, I mean, we're Enneagram people, but the Enneagram um, outside of... Christian influence gets very, very strange, very, very new age. And so um, these are things that we're going to see multiplying and we want to be able to interact with those that are worshiping literally other gods and we want to uh, be able to proclaim with joy and compassionate courage and charismatic empowerment and uh, the reality that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Uh, He rules over all the demonic gods of the age.
1: Mm -hmm. And really in this moment, uh, I think that we need to, as the church, really be upholding and talking about the goodness of God. And
0: meditating on the goodness of God.
1: People in this world are longing to know that there are things about this life that are great and powerful and beautiful and beyond this temporary um, moment that we're living in and what opportunity as Jesus followers to engage with a culture by presenting. I know we've talked about this before as Gary Brashears has taught us the filet mignon of Jesus, upholding the goodness of Jesus and letting those that we interact with truly taste and see that God is good. That is contextualizing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Declaring the goodness of God. hmm so challenge number four, discern how are you, how are you contextualizing Jesus uh, to uh, a world that is being robbed and murdered and destroyed by demonic gods, by lies? How are you engaging with your circle of influence? And, and I, I will say um, we Christians and you Christians in the workplace particularly have, uh, it's challenging friends. To be a Christian is to be marginalized and misunderstood. And we pray fervently for that compassionate courage to carry you through because it is very difficult as an artist, as a student in your workplace. Um, but consider challenges to consider. How are you contextualizing the goodness of God in all of his ways and all of his revelation that he's given to you? How are you interacting with the culture within which God has placed you, be that family, friends, school, work, which leads us to the fifth conviction that we want to abide by this year and for the rest of the life of our church. And that is to contend, uh, to to cry out again, I'm telling you, I, I so resonate with every single one of these convictions because they stir my heart and they actually give permission and release to the wiring that I've been given, which is to be intense, <laughs> to seek <laughs> spiritual awakening. It's awakening this, this conviction of contending. So we want to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that br- brings revival to the church. Mm-hmm. And Just- we want to pray for a spiritual awakening in yeah. the larger culture. I mean, it's huge. This is this is everything. I have from day one. It only took me being in the church maybe six months before I was like, man, it doesn't feel like anybody's praying and believes that the Holy Spirit could literally transform the world. And I've gone up and down and all around praying for 20 years now for a massive revival to see a third great awakening, to see another Jesus movement, to see the great revivals that we've seen in history break up the ground again. And we are seeing a groundswell. And what I love is it's being seen in these prayer awakenings, in my own personal life, in our church, in the churches that we're a part of, these the people of God are beginning to pray again.
1: And if we really want this this outpouring of the spirit again, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier like the word discipline and the contemplative practices. Again, it takes work. Even that word contending, contending literally means to struggle in opposition to strive in rivalry, compete, to strive in debate, dispute earnestly, okay. to assert or maintain earnestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those words have a level of effort and getting after it. And so, you know, Dan, I know has mentioned about like being in a coffee shop and You know, he has his mask on and he's just full on contending and praying for that coffee shop and getting after it. And no one actually knows because he has his mask on. Thank God
0: for masks (laughs) because that would look super weird.
1: (laughs) But we are, each of us being called to contend, to do the hard work of praying for the spiritual awakening in the hearts of those around us. And so really the challenge for us is what are we going to contend for this year in reference to the kingdom of God being manifest through each of our lives and in the life of our community?
0: You know, whatever you're most passionate about is what you're going to pray about the most. Mm -hmm. And if God, the Holy Spirit stirs your heart right now in this little segment of this podcast, make it a conviction to pray for personal renewal, familial, like within your family and circle of friends, renewal, Renewal in your church, like revival, full on uncontrolled wildfire revival to break out and uh, society is primed for this moment. The church is primed for this moment.
1: Mm -hmm. And then the sixth conviction is compassion. It's remembering the poor. Mm -hmm. We live amongst, I mean, in San Diego, you don't have to go far to see the poor, the marginalized, the overlooked. And it's this way through compassion, it's this way that we're embodying the way of Jesus. And we're seeking to find God in the faces of those who really are on the outside.
0: This is where I've just, I'm just i so grateful for the community of the church. And some churches are so good at emphasizing social justice and caring for the poor. And other churches are so good at evangelism. And this community of churches is trying to strike the Tension to balance between all of these facets of Christianity and this group of churches. There's a number of leaders in it that this is an emphasis of theirs. And I have really, really been challenged. And lately, as I've been reading through the Bible, it's like everywhere I look, the Holy Spirit is just saying over and over and over, I want equality mm-hmm. in my world. And I'm asking you, Dan, to give something up to create that equality over and over and over. I'm asking you to give up your time your energy, your money, your love, your relational capacity to create equality in my world.
1: I think what, you know, mentally makes this difficult for people and where, you know, you get overwhelmed is we all recognize there's a massive amount of need out there. But even as we were reflecting on this conversation and just preparing for it, I was just reminded that Jesus said, you know, when you gave me a cup of water, mm-hmm. he's not asking for us to solve all of the poverty issues that we we see in San Diego. He's literally asking each of us to do our part to give the cup of water, you know, even just most concretely, uh, Daphne in our community just created these blessing bla- bags and over Christmas, and we were able as a community to make, I think like 40 plus blessing b- bags. And yeah. we can just take these bags and they're filled with goods that the church provided and just hand them to a person in need. And they're filled with a note, a prayer. Um, this is just a small concrete way of doing justice and having compassion
0: Challenge number six, then based on this conviction this year, what is a way that you can care for the least of these in a consistent basis? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's getting the name of that homeless guy that you see on the corner and beginning to pray for the homeless guy and letting him know, I'm I'm a houseless guy. Uh, I am praying for you. I am praying for you daily. And uh, maybe it's consistently serving at a, a food distribution center, or something of that nature. It will cost. For us to bring equality and justice, those of us who have much, much is required. And so I am earnestly praying through this and I recognize it as a great weakness in my life. And uh, this is a year for me to consider that and walk in the grace of the Holy Spirit to bring a little tiny infinitesimal bit of equality and justice into this world and let the kingdom take some ground. The final conviction, the seventh conviction we'll abide by. And again, this is just another bread and butter piece already, meat and potatoes piece for sure for neighbor's church is to live communally, to live with a commitment to community and uh, to live in and with and through category-defying relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we are convicted, I am utterly deeply convicted that deep, loyal and united friendships that cross the boundaries of race, that cross the boundaries of class, that are not politically aligned necessarily, that aren't gender aligned necessarily. Uh, in this world that is just seeking constantly to polarize and divide humanity based on categories of power, privilege, race, sex, whatever it may be, the church exists as this, this beautiful kaleidoscope of mm-hmm. humans that just don't match the categories. And it is so difficult. It is so difficult to, to live in these category-defying relationships that are uncomfortable, people's toes get stepped on, we step on each other's toes. Um, these relationships that really become family take a lot of time, something that our culture is not accustomed to giving, giving the time that is necessary. And honestly, Satan is bent on destroying the unity of the church. And so making every effort to maintain the unity of the church is a difficult act of warfare and resistance. But it's a conviction mm-hmm. and we want to abide by it through the rest of
1: this year. So the challenge for this this seventh conviction of, of community is really how might you uh, be more deeply committed to your community? Maybe and just
0: joining a community for the first time and saying, all right, come good, bad, sweet, ugly, beautiful. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. How can you live in community in category defining ways this year? That's the challenge. And so obviously, you know, these seven convictions, this has been a a fire hose. Uh, We'd again encourage you maybe just to pick one area, you know, eating the elephant one bite at a time. But the point is to move forward. And actually, if you really consider these seven convictions, all of them intersect. Mm -hmm. And so I could easily see how you just start focusing on one, how much that's going to bleed into another conviction. And, you know, before you know it, you're living your life really based um, on these convictions uh, in the word, in community, loving the world around us, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by him to really bring his kingdom come uh, to your circle of influence.
0: Let's kill it there, honey. That's a beautiful conclusion. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be a great year, loved one. I want you to hear that. And I want you to believe that. War-torn, ragged disoriented, confused by this past couple years, I'm not promising you clarity. And I'm not saying that everything now is going to uh, blue sky clear, become obvious and easy. That's just not the way it is in a broken world. What is true is that God has called you into union with him and union with his people. And a love that you cannot even imagine is so utterly focused upon you. And so... Be blessed as we make this journey together. These seven convictions, may they carry you. Shalom.